Welcome to Fiery Discourse, your podcast and media featuring dragonesses, female dinosaurs, and other similar stories and scalies. I'm your host, Lud Milanon, and with me are my co-hosts, Angron, Math Machine, Lucky Evie, Stryker, and Jordan. Today is our 33rd episode, and we're discussing 2007 Shrek the Third. so let's get things started. Now, Shrek the Third, of course, was the second sequel to the smash hit that was Shrek. Uh, we would love to do an episode on Shrek 2. Unfortunately, we really can't because Dragon only shows up in the last uh, 30 seconds in a post-credit sequence. So, However, that credit sequence is important for this movie because yep, Donkey reveals... and Dragon did the do. Yep, they had children they... and we get to and... see them later on and they're surprisingly more adorable than you would think. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, they they are. For the most part. They're, they're pretty cute, but not too cute. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They had a good way of balancing the design between um, between cute and, you know, off-putting. And I think they uh, balance that line very, very well. Mm. Uh, this I actually saw this movie in the theaters, and when I first came out of it, I was really underwhelmed because I think after Shrek and Shrek 2, they kind of set the bar so high that it was probably gonna always going to be pretty hard to clear it. Now I'm a lot more lenient to it than I was when I first saw it. And of course, I was also 13 when I first saw it. Mm. But yeah, like I say, it really, I think for me, it, it feels like a turning point for DreamWorks in a way. This is when they started making more things like Kung Fu Panda and How to Train Your Dragon. Of course, we yeah. still got stuff like Madagascar and that, but it felt oh, like after yeah. this, they started to look at look at being a little bit more serious with the movies they made. And I think it's been all the better for it, especially with their more recent output. But anyway, uh, Shrek the Third begins almost exactly like the second one, but it has a funny twist. In this one, it's revealed that uh, Prince Charming is acting in a really cheap stage play. I mean, and honestly, though, it's not really that bad. There are the like the stage play isn't like the state like the stage effects aren't terrible by any means. They're Spartan, <laughs> but honestly, yeah. Like it, oh, yeah. it's really much. They really, uh, they really did a, a good job with that. So, oh it, no, that's the, that's the that's the freaking film engineer in me. But talking about that, but it's honestly not that terrible, honestly. So props for stage effect. Yeah, acting, I, I mean, Prince Charming's acting is still great. So yeah, yeah, no, you're right, you're right. But I, I meant it, oh, it's yeah. meant to show that he's not like the big noble prince anymore. He's basically forced to do like community theater. Absolutely. Yeah, the coconuts being used for horse hooves was taken right from uh, Monty Python on the Holy Grail. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is. It is. I mean, that that is joking. It's in the previous movie as the and in this one and Eric Idle's in this yeah. one too. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It makes sense. Both are underused, it but like one has a good reason. Python references. Yeah. yeah, one yeah. one was underused for a good reason. The other one not for, so much. Uh, not good reason. Yeah. But anyway, the other the patrons and the other fairy tale creatures are there, and they basically mock the performance with Pinocchio enjoying it. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like one of the better parts of this movie are what they do with the other fairy tale creatures. I feel do like you mind? Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah. But no, like you said, <laughs> I feel like what they do with the other fairy tale creatures in this one is they actually give them a little more to do compared to Shrek Two. 
And Heck even yeah. the original Shrek, it's like you really feel that, you know, they're his friends at this point. And again, I feel like this is the movie where they actually became characters in their own right rather than just, oh, look, it's Shrek's friends. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> One thing about this movie, of course, uh, Prince Charming storms off and he goes to his uh, dressing room, which turns out to be in an alley in a cute joke. Uh, One yeah. thing that doesn't really work for me about this movie as a whole, Prince Charming, he doesn't really work as the main villain, I think. I feel like he's better as like a side character mm-hmm. to a main villain. It would be I... like if they made an Emperor's New Groove 2 and they had Kronk be the main bad guy. It's like, yeah, yeah, he's there. He's, he's, he's important to the part. But he's not really main villain material in my eyes. Okay. He, he should have been like the partner. Full disclosure, I didn't really mind that Prince Charming was the ma- main villain. Like, it, it, it's basically his uh, revenge story, so to speak. I mean, it like, does make sense. Yes. Yeah, he really no, is does, trying to uh, get back at the people who wronged him, pretty much, and ruined what could have ultimately been his like great happily ever after. If it wasn't for Shrek and the others, like uh, ter- uh, poofing uh, fairy godmother into a bunch of bubbles. Fucking brothels! <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but I, I can see it. And the whole thing about him being obsessed, like with his mother, it, it is a good like character development that he he still hasn't gotten over it because his his mother, of course, fairly godmother, pretty much did everything for him. Yeah, it's like so freaking uh, hit sheriff. Uh, hit, it's like freaking sheriff. Uh, fuck, 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 fuck. What was his name? Uh, uh, sheriff Sprout. Oh, Sheriff Sprout. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, like being a mama's boy to uh the mayor of uh Maritime Bay. <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, yeah, I definitely can see that. But yeah, now we get to uh, Shrek waking up with Fiona before before uh, being interrupted by Donkey and his kids. And again, the dragon donkey hybrids, uh, they're they're cute. They have cute little antics in that. Honestly, funny funny tidbit about that. Actually, like I imagine, like those donkey dragon hybrids are kind of what mostly inspire some of the weird dog like looking. Uh, uh, medieval art that's like that like uh people did like in the olden times in those days you know mm-hmm. i can that is very true i did not think about that 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 is very very true I yeah can very it's, easily it's, see that. it's pretty odd but honestly it's a very nice detail that honestly, oh, yeah, should be seen, a like, more. yeah definitely if you've seen like medieval art of like people trying to draw draw what giraffes are in that yeah i could definitely see that and also yeah yeah. also uh at this point the king is very ill yeah well first off we uh first off uh we see puss and boots arrive in the movie and Uh antonio banderas is a great actor at all you know with all the stuff he did in america you know zorro and that but i can never see him the same way ever again after watching Uh the spanish movie la piel que habito the skin i live in i'm not going to go into it on this podcast but it is very different from his usual roles. He is amazing see- in it. He is very good in it. It is a very dark and disturbing movie, but I, I do I recommend can- it if you can handle it, though. But he is excellent in that. I can never see him the same in like two. For the fact that two movies come to mind whenever I hear Antonio Banderas, well, three. Go ahead. Well, thir- number three is pretty much uh, Expendables three, where he shows up and despite looking all. Mat- looking all macho and like all talk he actually very much uh was very much developed in this in this movie for the time he had and it was fun second movie spy Mm -hmm. kids one and two in particular yeah spy kids that was yeah right right i forgot about that i have my mustache back 
But don't forget, he was. But don't forget, he also did, you know, uh, Desperado <laughs> for Robert Rodriguez. He also did the uh, Innkeeper or uh, whatever that movie was, where uh, there was this one guy who was watching the hotel. He like banged a witch. He uh, had to deal with kids. While, oh right, uh, I think Antonio I remember Banderas. that one. Yeah, uh, it, yeah. It, and the guy's finger got cut off, which. Oh God! Yeah. Yes. Just, oh, I, yeah, I, yeah. I I know the movie. I just cannot for the life of me remember uh, right. what, what it was it. called. And I the final movie, Puss yeah. in Boots. Yeah, of course. Puss in Boots in general, is, man. Uh, My favorite is still uh, Last Wish. Same. Yeah, no, Last same Wish. Here. Is, and we'll talk more about that in a little bit. But finally, get back to the movie. Sorry about that little tangent there. But <laughs> oh, good. It turns out that yeah, uh, King Harold is sick and very very ill and. Shrek has to perform the uh, royal duties. So uh, the montage that ensues has some really funny gags, like Shrek trying to knight a man but accidentally stabbing him. He oh, smashes yeah. a ship with a champagne bottle, trying it, trying uh, making it sink rather. And it, it's not him, weird that the ship like sinks, but the fact that the sails also catch on fire, like unless the bottle like somehow did a massive spl- was like so filled with alcohol that like you got think that's it's just the joke it's meant to be yeah, random that's a joke. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, how I'll, bad could this be yeah exactly exactly <laughs> and of course and there's a scene where they're done up like french royals like you know king mm-hmm. louis the uh 15th and all and I... the banquet is totally destroyed in some really well done slapstick especially for um cgi at this time yeah, it, it definitely. The animation has definitely gotten, I think, a bump up since the uh, last couple of Shreks. And that's one of the positives I will say about this movie. It I will. Yeah, when it's, really when it's funny, it can be very funny. In fact, I'm posting a uh, before and after here in the designated chat because just good Lord. Oh, God. <laughs> goes through as well. Just... Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's what happened got, also the guy are... on her uh, freaking backside just yeah yeah but anyway uh shrek and fiona basically talk to each other and fiona basically hints that and it comes out it's more of a surprise later on but it turns out that fiona is pregnant but shrek still doesn't get the hints in that despite her trying to do it yep after uh, so many times in the bog Yep, it they. Only yep, of course, of course. Yep, <laughs> but yeah, uh, Shrek's then uh, says, of course, after being summoned by royal page, somebody better be dying, and it cuts to King Harold dying. Is a really, really dark mm-hmm. joke, and <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it is, it is. Probably the one of the darkest jokes in the movie, and I feel like oh, John yeah. Cleese and Julie Andrews as the king and queen are a really, mm-hmm. really good casting. You know, they Same. both have uh, it really well done for them. This scene has both pathos and comedy, but I feel like this one it doesn't balance it well. Because at one point you have like no. King Harold, like like you know, lovingly telling Shrek, you know, how he always thought of him as a son, how he was sorry. Then it cuts to like you know him waking up to eat a fly on that, and it's like, okay, you, you can have it be a serious scene or you can have it be a silly scene. You know, pick one basically. Uh, unless your dream works, which were basically just like. Both, both, yes, most, both, yes, both, both, yeah, both, yeah, yes. no, both I get it again, yeah, <laughs> exactly, like El Dorado, yes, yes. But anyway, yeah. uh, uh, what happens is, uh, after two fake outs, uh, Harold dies for real after uh, telling him that the other heir to the throne is Arthur, his cousin, and then we get to the, yeah, his cousin, which is then uh, gets to the funeral scene, which is set to of all songs, "Live and Let Die," which is number one, is a James Bond theme. 
And number two makes me just want to watch Live and Let Die instead of this. <laughs> I mean, you, you could have Shrek fight Baron Samidi, you know? Good morning, Mr. Shrek. Is it not a lovely morning? <laughs> it's also funny because, like, his coffin is legit, like... A, a shoebox, like, yeah. Yeah, a shoebox with, like, the medieval t- slang term for a uh, footlocker, which is ye old footlocker. Yeah, yeah. It's some of those jokes where it's, I don't know, it's funny, but it doesn't really work. And again, using Live and Let Die, which is a uh, Bond theme, is so weird. And that's, of course, uh, number three is that they cut it off before they get to the awesome electric guitar solo. So, boo. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now we get Shrek to see uh, Prince... Two had some uh, strange music choices, but I think they worked for where they put them. Track 3, the music was just weird in general. I can definitely see that. Mm. Yeah, no, it definitely, definitely sounds like it, uh, it definitely is strange in that regard. So yeah, then we get to uh, Prince Charming arriving at uh, the Poison Apple, the villain bar, and a joke in this movie and the previous one that never made sense is that Captain Hook is apparently employed as a piano player, and it's not really a joke because he does that already in Disney's mm-hmm. Peter Pan. When, you know, like uh, he, he's trying to convince Tinkerbell to you know, betray Peter, he plays the yep. piano. And it's, it's exactly the same thing as here. It's not really a joke. It's more and of a also, reference. And also, they did the same kind of but concept one thing that is interesting in about Rapunzel. The guy, when we go to the snuggling duck, they see a guy with a hook hand playing the, the piano. So it's not, it's not very been done to, already in the same thing. So you're right. Sorry. No, no, it's all good. It's all good. But yeah, uh, of course, uh, the ugly stepsister Doris isn't there, having left and is now considered uh, one of uh, Fiona's friends for reasons they never made quite clear, but oh well. Uh, So Charming tries to order drinks for all the villains, but of course they turn on him. And one thing that's interesting is Rumpelstiltskin shows up, but he looks and sounds completely different from the Rumpelstiltskin that we will see in the next movie. Yeah, I it's know pretty that, you weird, know, all things considered. Especially probably, since, like, he appears in literally the next movie, and I'm like, the fuck, where did this come from? Yeah, it's like, it, and it's completely different character, completely different voice, you know, he doesn't really do much in this version, but of course he's the main bad guy in the next one, and we'll get to that in the Shrek Forever After episode. But yeah, mm. uh, Charming basically manages to rally all the villains behind him, and he reminds them about uh, what they lost, and they plan to take over far, far away. We then, of mm. course, uh, cut to Shrek, uh, Donkey, and Puss going to leave to find King Arthur. And it is here where we first get to see Dragon in this uh, in this movie. Um, mm. She's seeing Donkey off with the children, and the way that she cares about her husband and is really tearful about him leaving is yeah. a great moment. And this is also one of the very rare moments where we actually get to see her entire body in a full shot, and you get a real sense of just how gigantic she is in that part. Yeah. And she is, like, you know, almost as, again, uh, she doesn't have a lot to do in this movie, but she does have more than Shrek 2, so that's why we're discussing her on this episode. But, yeah, for this sequence, uh, it pretty much also serves as a uh, as kind of a build-up to what happens with uh, Shrek as well. Because when he sails off and the Viking keep interrupting uh, what Fiona's trying to say with his horn, which... It's funny. I don't know. Yeah, it's funny. It reminds me of a little you know, Blazing Saddles when they do that, but it's still funny with that. Yeah. yeah, especially at the end where Shrek is like, 
Oh, holy f- Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like Honestly, that. though, where did that other horn come from? I, I just imagine, like, the guy who's steering the boat is like, oh, shit, my thing got taken. Yes. Oh, bigger <laughs> horn. Mm. Uh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, the shots of the boat sailing look just fantastic. It really, it seems like it was almost like a test for, like, a how to train your dragon in a way. Just because, like, the water effects and the boat uh, on the water, it looks really good. Really, mm. really good, especially for, like, mm-hmm. 2007. Then that we get true. to, yep, uh, the moment that kind of, this is where, for me, on the first viewing, the movie just completely lost me by this point. Uh, the boat somehow sailed back all the way to the swamp on land, which is, again, a funny detail that you don't really question at first. Yeah. Then he goes in uh, his house, and Shrek is greeted by an ogre baby in a carriage, and it's really just an excuse to do a bunch of bodily fluid jokes. Which yeah, I feel it's, like the first it's, it's the one yeah. moment. Uh, this is the one moment in the movie that it's like this is mm-hmm. not necessary. No, yeah, it's no. the one moment in this movie where I was like, uh, nah. Yeah, no yeah. Thanks. I feel like my thing too is that this movie in general really cranked that up to 11 compared to the first two. And like the first one, it was something completely, you know, unexpected in this kind of movie. The second one, a little bit more, but it still kind of worked. This one, it's like they just cranked it up and it really gets old. I'm sorry. At, at yeah. The, so thankfully, it cuts to a moment. Yeah. For Shrek forever after. Yeah. Thankfully, it cuts to a moment after where like after a whole horde mm-hmm. of babies appears, it just shows Shrek. And his birthday suit in, like, a sort of graduation sort of thing. He's like, oh, it's not that baby. It's that, weird, but it's honestly weird, yeah. really... what we got initially. Which... Yeah, yeah, it <laughs> is, it is. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, Shrek then wake, awakens from his nightmare only for Donkey and Puss to have ogre baby heads. And, like I say, it was at this point uh, when I saw the movie for the first time in theaters in 2007 that I, I looked at that and I'm like, Nope, nope. That, that's it. I'm, I'm turning my brain <laughs> off. This is it. Done. You, you know, I, again, uh, now, you know, looking back, I've, you know, I'm a lot more appreciative of it than I was on my first viewing, but man, it honestly, was just... Honestly, that, that scene, when, uh, <laughs> that scene yeah. is actually kind of funny. No, it is, yeah. it is. I think, I think at the first one, after Shrek 2, though, going to this, it was going to be a step down no matter what I feel, but it was probably not what I was expecting. But again, it does have a lot of funny moments, and we'll talk more about them in a little bit. So yeah, it's almost, then, like, uh, the, it's almost like the Alan scene from a from a, yeah, yeah, exactly from JP three. It reminded me of that. Yeah. Now if he had yes. more seen a Velociraptor, that would have been better. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah uh, Shrek then the movies from uh, fifteen to twenty years ago. Because you can absolutely tell that scene was added as padding to make the 90-minute runtime. And now, you're lucky if you get a movie under two hours. Yes, and and we, there was a lot more padding, which we are definitely going to get to in a later bit, including an entire sequence that, to me, is just mm-hmm. completely unnecessary. Uh, a plot detail, rather, that is completely unnecessary. But yeah, uh, Shrek then officially wakes up. He talks with Puss and Donkey about his uh, misgivings. And then we get to the Worcester Academy, which really is just an excuse to do a bunch of, you know, tired, kind of lame high school jokes. There's a couple of good ones, like the one where two students come out of a carriage and they're like, you know, hi. You know, is it, that's a really adult one. It's like when I saw it, I was like, whoa, w- wait a minute. They got away with this? 
Uh, oh, there's a yeah. joke with like two nerds that are playing Dungeons and Dragons, and it's like, but they're in a fantasy world. Why would D and D exist in a fantasy world? Honestly, no idea. Yeah. It's still, it's still nice. I still, yeah, I, I still nice... liked it. Yeah, no, I, I know, but it's like one of those things where you stop and you think about it for more than three seconds. It's like, hey, wait a second. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be fair, though, like it D and D at that point wasn't that that like mainstream yet. Oh no, so, no, no, no. Like, not anymore, anyways. Yeah, no, I understand completely from that point of view. But yeah, uh, Shrek then basically bursts into the auditorium asking about for Arthur, but we find out he's kind of a bullied outcast where even the nerds are picking on him. And uh. Arthur is played by Justin Timberlake. Sadly, we do not get him. To, we do not get Arthur uh, telling Shrek that singing his that singing killed his grandmother. Nor do we find out if he's gonna sing "Put Your Filthy Hands All Over Me." Oh that is god! One of the worst songs I have ever heard. God. But oh, yeah, god. Uh, like, Justin. Tim- I, I hear that, and I think of this uh, one. I don't know what artist made it. I think it was Pink Floyd, but it's like where. Uh, but the title is "I Kid You Not." Get your filthy hands off my dessert, which is yeah weird but like yeah yeah like just that that was uh in justin timberlake's later years but this was back when he was still popular and not you know what he is now but anyway his acting in this he -hmm. is just so wooden i'm sorry it's clear they put him in there just so they could have another big name celebrity to put on the posters but it's like and he is a good actor. He's good in that movie, In Time, the one where like uh, clocks are on people's arms and time is literally currency. Oh he was yeah, good in that. Uh, he was good in the I movie Runner one. Runner. I don't. In the movie Runner Runner, and uh, he is a decent actor in particular. But in this, he is just—he is so wrong for the part. He is just completely wooden, and it really does not work. Okay, he okay. Is by far, I think one of the worst of the movies. Devil's advocate on that. Okay, go ahead. There are moments where that woodenness works. However, there are also moments where he ultimately kind of, yeah, ultimately does show emotion. Like where he's like leaving mm-hmm. school and he like overdoes it. Yeah, no, no. no. Like I say, he, he does and, do uh, he does do a decent job at some points, but for for like the more emotional sequences, you could tell that this guy at this point was not really an actor. It was like, you cast him because he was a big name. You know? Which, again, again is not one all the time. I, I personally no, didn't I think this was like, I, I believe this was like his first time in an animated movie. The first one yeah, yeah, he lent his voice. Yeah, he yeah, did he, Trolls, and he did Epic later on, and yeah. Uh, I heard Boo-Boo Epic was the Yogi Bear, Bear movie. Which oh yeah, he did play so much better than this. Huh. Yeah, I, I, I know. I've heard that. And he, like it was the real Boo Boo too. Yeah, he actually does a good impression. This, which, and that was only like a couple of years after this. So he really ended up, you know, improving there. But yeah, we then cut to uh, the baby shower with the other fairy tale princesses, dragon, the queen, and Doris, the ugly stepsister. There, and uh, in my opinion, for some reason, the human designs in Shrek. Uh, let's put it this way: the non-stylized human designs in Shrek. They always looked a little weird to me. Like, they're not, like, people. They're like plasticine. Like, like the princesses themselves, they look... I don't know, there's something about them that just look artificial. Like, like they don't feel like, uh, for example, the Incredibles. You know, like, you, you feel like Bob and Helen and, you know, Violet, Dash, Jack-Jack, Syndrome, all of them. They feel like they're actual people. 
but as the princesses in this movie, they just feel, I don't know, like props. Mostly with the animation. And, again, uh, one thing that's interesting is Rapunzel shows up in a princess mm -hmm. movie three years before Tangled. Very yeah. interesting. And also with the princesses, at least in my eyes, they could have been funny, but I don't know. There's just something about them that feel undercooked like it, it's like they, they have cute ideas like snow white giving fiona one of the seven dwarves is a, is a good joke in that yeah but honestly, the, most part, one was pretty funny. Just, the whole the whole dwarf going like where's the baby is pretty funny that's a good one with like uh talking to fiona about like relatable like uh, parenting issue exactly <laughs> yeah yeah exactly where, like, they talk about like issues and that comes with like motherhood like uh stretch marks and i think dragon says something but like yeah, yeah she own... actually does uh yeah she does yeah. contribute to the conversation which yeah, is that's very, very it's, nice it's how they consider nice. her part of the uh, group in that way which yeah, is very, very she, nice it's also very nice to and it's also very interesting that like even after like what fiona went through to be like uh what Riona went through with dragon and whatnot in like the yeah, first movie friends. yeah yeah, yeah they're still very much friends and honestly it felt like something like out of like uh, a sense of like duty and whatnot, which I can uh, see that like like the dragon was meant to be her protector in a way, and she will be her uh, no matter what. That is a very interesting way. I did not think of that before. Yeah, I also like that. Uh, also, it kind of also kind of also uh, comes to mind like what happened with dragon for her to ultimately get that job. Like, did fairy godmother like kidnap her out of the blue or something like that? It. Like there was, there was indeed talks of like Eddie Murphy, like uh, wanting to do a series with Dragon and Donkey. That would be like, awesome. I hope DreamWorks but, does like that. because DreamWorks at the time oh, was at like an all-time low, where like they were like yeah. getting flop after flop for the most yeah, part. No, no, that it, that it, happened. Yeah, yeah. It it never like it like it's something that should honestly be picked up and explored on a bit more because Definitely. I I would if be Eddie all Murphy's for that. on board with that. I'm on yeah, board. Go ahead and Everybody do else yeah. should be on board with that too. It's yeah. awesome. And after it, how it sounds good like last it would really... wish was, I could definitely see them nowadays. Yeah. I feel like now they can finally do it justice. Oh but hell yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely. That yes. definitely that absolutely. definitely yeah. should work. So anyway, uh, Fiona tries to tell them how Shrek reacted, but is interrupted by the kingdom being invaded by all the villains. Mm -hmm. Dragon's roar being like a siren is another nice touch in this sequence. But <laughs> yeah, I know I what the that. villains do by ransacking the town. Feels a little generic, although the joke about the Cyclops removing stamps from envelopes is a funny one. I yeah, also like uh, I also like the little hook nod, but at last I have you, Peter. Please name yeah, yeah. Peter. Shut up, Wendy. And she's like, ah! <laughs> that, that, that's funny. That that's cute. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, yeah. Uh, but, but then oh, again, uh, we we see Dragon attempt to fight off the witches. Which, by the way, is interesting that the witches look you know normal in this movie, mm -hmm. but in the next one, they all look like the Wicked Witch of the West from Wizard of Oz. Yeah. yeah, very interesting. Old, uh, Shrek Four would ultimately, uh, yeah, make him look like the Wicked with. Witch. Yeah, they, they would all look like the Wicked Witch of Wizard of Oz. But yeah, uh, Dragon attempts to fight them off, but she's covered in chains. The princesses and you know Queen, the uh, Queen Lillian and Doris all escape, but the other fairy tale creatures are left behind. And I love when they're kicked down the door, and it looks like they're just having a tea party. 
And th- this scene has probably the best jokes in the movie with the gingerbread man's little uh, life flashing before his eyes. That is, is one was the joke. weird point for me. Like, I don't know. I thought it was cute. It, it was nice, joke. yeah. But honestly, nothing will beat Pinocchio doing a double negative yeah, that, just to that, stall for exactly, time. That was the best. That is exactly what I was going to say. How he uses like so many double negatives to basically confuse the hell out of uh, Prince Charming and the other villains. <laughs> that is funny. That That and is the- like... We needed more of that kind of humor in this movie, I feel. Honestly, that, that though, is... it also it also shows that it's a, there's another thing that I've noticed about like the characters, in particular Big Bad Wolf. Like the guy is just there to like ultimately just vibe with yeah. the whole thing and like uh, <laughs> but he's still like, like he's just there to vibe. He's not really like fully committed, quote unquote, but it's like he's really like enjoying the time and like really uh contributing in his own non-aloof way which is very which is very nice honestly it <laughs> oh definitely definitely yeah yeah you can tell that they had a lot of fun uh with these characters in particular honestly then... okay quick tangent for a second Go related ahead. to dreamworks but like you honestly look at this big bad wolf and then you look at the big bad wolf from freaking the bad guys like oh yes yes yeah, oh, mr is, wolf like, he's great mr. Similarities, wolf is great but, like, he is fantastic Honestly, I mean, honestly bad guys, though, like I want a sequel. I, we need a bad guy sequel. I'm saying I kind of want to see a bad guy sequel as well. Uh, it's very amazing. I wish there would be one, but yeah, back. I'm to sure the, that I'm sure they'll do it eventually. Oh yeah, I, I absolutely. Think it was successful not to. But anyway, uh, getting back to the movie, yeah. Uh, uh, basically, what happens is a uh, Shrek tries to tell Arthur all about what it's like to be a king, but Puss and Donkey ruin it by telling them the realities of it. But then yeah. Arthur basically tries to turn the ship around, but he fights with Shrek as they crash on an island. And at this point, where for me, Arthur just becomes really kind of whiny and obnoxious. And in this sequence in particular, I, I mean, I get why he doesn't want to be king, but I feel like there was a way you could have done it and have it be a little more subtle. Yeah. Honestly, it didn't bother. Honestly, it didn't really come off as 100% whiny it was honestly justified for the most part like there there was less whining and honestly they get it out of the way they honestly get the the quote-unquote worst stuff out of the way pretty quick i I can see that yeah i I can see it just for some reason at least for me this scene kind of rubbed me the wrong way and uh shrek's attempt to act hip are i know it's supposed to be like you know oh god like like cringe before we had the word cringe but I don't know it's cringe in a bad way, kinda. And they kept it's it kind of cringe, long. but honestly, like, yeah, it went on for too long. If they cut it down yeah. to like maybe a couple of sentences, it would have been good. Although the payoff with you know, help, I'm being kidnapped by a monster that wants to relate to me is a good joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then they just so happened to stumble across Merlin's hut, which this Eric movie Idol. has King Arthur. Yep, this movie has Merlin. This movie has zero Madame Mim, so therefore this movie is <laughs> yeah. automatically inferior to Sword in the Stone. But yeah, like you said, Merlin is played by Eric Idle and AKA Rekgar. Sh- yeah, and yeah, Monty Python and a lot of other too. But yeah, uh, unfortunately, the problem is he's really not that funny. And, and the thing that also is interesting is that the whole joke of Merlin is that oh, he's a crazy old hermit, but. He really yep. was just a crazy old hermit in the actual King Arthur lore. It's not really a joke. I mean, some of the more eccentric things he does is it, it is a joke. But for the most part, that is how Merlin acted in the King Arthur stories. It, oh, yeah. It's really just them doing something that's already been done. 
but yeah, yeah uh, it's also very uh also like here they don't really show him being all you know kooky he he's one he's like one of those quote-unquote eccentric like uh social skills person but like doesn't really do a whole lot other than like magic and uh you know like this one funny part where he like switches the like switches the puss and donkey and whatnot yeah yeah we'll that comes that later bitch, and but we'll he also like but he also does another funny thing involving captain hook and his piano again we'll get to that later but that's yeah. it honestly yeah exactly exactly you you are right with that but yeah uh Basically, what happens is they have to see uh, the fire of truth and lies, basically, <laughs> to show them what they fear most, and that Shrek uh, sees a rainbow pony, and sadly, regrettably, this does not lead to Rainbow Dash showing right <laughs> at that very moment. If it did... In, in actuality, that's not what he days. saw. Nope, of course, he saw a baby carriage in there, because, you know, he's afraid of, you know, Fiona being pregnant, and what's going to happen with that and all. Uh, there is a pretty good joke at this, with you know, and probably Merlin's best joke for you is when Arthur's like, "Oh, this is lame." Merlin just slaps in the back of the head. It's like you're lame. It's a decent joke. It reminds me of like that uh, the SpongeBob comic. You know, it's not your mermaid man persona. You're cr- <laughs> that's cringe. You're cringe. <laughs> that's what it reminds me of. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, the scene with Shrek and Arthur bonding, and we find out that Shrek's father basically wanted to eat him, which is actually what ogres would do in uh, fairy tales. So points on accuracy for that. It should be uh, genuine, but it comes off as for me a little tedious. I don't know. If it, you look at like the first Shrek, where like Shrek and Donkey are looking up at the moon. It feels just so natural. The part in Shrek the Two where Shrek, uh, Puss, and Donkey are in the uh, villain bar, you know, after hours, and they're just sitting and talking quietly. You know, those feel different than this. This feels like it had to be in it because it has to be in it. It feels like, oh, well, this is a Shrek movie, so we got to have the formula with the characters bonding. I mean, but, yeah. I understand why you would go to that conclusion, but honestly, this moment is one of the better moments for Arthur and uh, Shrek because they're both two people who ultimately don't re- who ultimately can relate each other and the fact that they have big responsibilities coming up and are honestly afraid oh, to no, face no. them. I, I understand the intent of it and believe me, Mike Myers' delivery in this is excellent and even Justin Timberlake feels heartfelt in this, but it just in general, it feels I don't know, maybe just for me, it feels like this could have been placed at another point in the movie, basically. But anyway, we get uh, the princesses and Queen Lillian are trying to find a way out. But they find out that Rapunzel is in love with uh, Prince Charming (laughs) and they're going to take over far, far away. So I guess that means if Mother Gothel had just left her in the tower, none of this would have ever happened. (laughs) I know, I know. I I, I had to. Sorry about that. I apologize. That was funny. Yeah, but then uh, yeah, Shrek and the group are you know they wake up in the morning and then they're attacked by the living Wizard trees and Captain Hook's pirates. Now the living and trees, Snow White, are they the ones he from was traumatized because the of the dark Wizard force that made her look like she was. Um, a but in the Wizard of Oz, yeah, we were alive. Yeah, yeah, I know that. I know that. But I just yeah, it was the whole nightmare sequence when the yeah. Okay, I get I it. So like yeah, I think that this was just uh, Lord of the Rings invading the movie somehow. Oh yeah, mm. tree. oh well. Yeah, that would have been way better. Tree, I am no tree. Are you an inch? 
Honestly, uh, they they did do a joke in Shrek too, where like uh, the seven dwarves made like a Sauron patented freaking wedding ring for Fiona. They make the one ring for Fiona. Yeah, and if you know what happens to the dwarves in uh, Lord of the Rings, that joke becomes a lot darker. But yeah, oh, uh, what happens yeah. is a uh, Shrek fighting off the pirates is pretty cool, all things considered. And one thing that's interesting with this movie is, you know, Shrek has always been like the fighting type. In this movie, he kind of l- lays it back a little bit. Mm. It's one thing I, just, I noticed, you know, compared to the other Shreks, but he's still, this moment in particular is still a really cool one. It's only one of the best action sequences, all things considered. Now, Shrek and Arthur basically have to use Merlin to teleport them to uh, far, far away. And it's at this moment, like what you said earlier, Puss and Donkey uh, trade bodies with each other. And for me, this does absolutely nothing to the story. You could have easily cut this out, and this adds really no conflict whatsoever. I mean, they get a cute, they get, sorry, they get a couple of uh, really cute gags out of it. But other than that, it just feels like, oh, we need something else to happen to go Mm. wrong for the heroes. So let's do that. But it feels like they don't do it as much as they could. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's very, it has some very good moments. Honestly, I, I don't remember. I honestly didn't see this in the movie. If I remember, I think. But uh, I do know that they did a. Uh, jo- I did do know that they did like a sort of like joke, sort of where like put where like donkey and puss's body is like I look like a cat catastrophe. Oh man, yeah, you're yeah, a like cat that, catastrophe. Like that, yeah, yeah. And uh, do- and uh, puss and donkey's body is like, and you look ridiculous. And both of them just <laughs> laugh at that. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, that's a good joke. I'll give them that. That that is a a really good joke. Did that yeah. happen in the movie? I think it did. I think, yeah, yeah I think it does I, at the end, yeah. But anyway, they, they get back to Far, Far Away, and it's pretty much a hellhole. Kind of like what happened when Biff Tannen took over uh, took over uh, Hill Valley and Back to the Future 2, which is much like the next Shrek movie, which we will talk about in the next episode. But mm. we get to probably the funniest and darkest joke, in my opinion. The, the funniest, darkest jokes, let's say, in my opinion, where mm. Charming is practicing for his play, and they have, like, two guys standing in for Shrek. Uh, he just, oh. like, stabs them. He, he likes, you know, he, he's not looking while he's rehearsing his lines. He just stabs them, and, like, you see people dragging away the bodies, and he's like, you know, where's my stand-in? You could never find help these days. And that is, like, <laughs> yeah. a funny joke, but it's a dark one. That's funny. That's oh, work, my gosh. <laughs> And he just he stabs them. And they're dead. You know, it's implied that, you know, that they're not knocked out. They're not that. You know, you actually see him, yeah. like, basically stab them. And anyway... Yeah, honestly... Uh, okay. I really think that, like, the person got, like, for... You know what's weird? Like, the yeah. first time I saw that, I was like, the person got slashed and, like, falls back and they drag him back. But, like, I imagine they, like, gave him either, like, uh, a healing spell or something like that. Or, like, patched him up really it. quick and then just pushed it. him back in, like... Go back in there, boy. It just hit the ground. I can right. see it. <laughs> uh, I can see it. I can definitely could see that. But yeah, um, Shrek then confronts uh, Charming in his dressing room, but they're captured by the guards. Uh, Shrek is then forced to reveal to uh, Arthur that he wasn't the first in line for the throne. Shrek was, and they have a falling out. And it's after this, like the big, excuse me, the yeah, big, the big uh, emotional up, montage. Which, okay. Real so talk here. Emotional to, montage. And yeah. uh, really for me, the montage, I mean, it's good. It does have uh, 
this know, was the tedious point for me in this movie. I, don't, I can kind of see why, but I feel like this montage in particular, yeah, it, it doesn't feel as impactful as like in the first or second Shreks. Maybe because the stakes, I mean, they're higher, but they don't feel as high as like they were in Shrek and Shrek Two. Okay, basically. going back. Okay, going back to the Prince Charming dressing room thing. Two yep, things on ahead. that. One, he he pressed a button, which somehow set off some weird alarm. Which, how would that work? Especially in the Middle Ages, like, yeah, yeah. And then the other thing again was like the the whole cop out scene. Which, okay. I understand that it was meant to be a sort of, like, sacrificial fight, which uh, meant that Shrek was trying to spare uh, freaking uh, Arthur's life. Yeah. But how he did it, I mean, it, it has, like, some merits. Like, it's how he ultimately saved it. Like, he didn't actively, like, embarrass... He didn't actively, like, insult him. He actually gave him a compliment in disguise, which is very, very clever, honestly. Yeah. But... It's still a breakup moment, which didn't, which, yeah, it, it, that that was the moment that felt tedious for me in this movie. Yeah, I, I can see it. It definitely, like I say, it's not as impactful as the moments in the first two ones. And again, Justin Timberlake's acting in the previous sequence, uh, when he finds out, this is probably his, his acting at his worst in this scene. But yeah. Uh, Puss and Donkey are then thrown to the cell with the princesses, and the princesses just want to wait around to be rescued, which, okay, I'm going to go off on a little thing about this. It was cute in 2007, but nowadays, this kind of joke is just so played out. I feel like when Disney themselves are making the joke with those stupid Simpsons of Disney Plus shorts... Th- that's it. You're done. The joke has been, you know, beaten to death, basically. With you know, mm. oh, the princes don't want to do anything but just sit around. You know, it it gets, it just got really old. I think again because after this movie, they pretty much just took that concept and just kept on hammering it. You know, especially mm. Disney. But Queen Lillian proves that she's a badass by smashing the wall by headbutting it. There's a mm. really cute little nod to a Julie Andrews uh, past role. She hums uh, my favorite thing, some Sound of Music, after doing it. Yeah, very cute references. Of course, she was Maria in Sound of Music. Mm. And then we get to see them uh, basically preparing for the play, which I will give them credit. The set for this looks really well done. It does look cool. It looks like, you know, a really interesting uh, visual experience. And that mm. uh, Shrek is then, you know, chained up, and the Cyclops easily tightens his chains. Then the Cyclops' mm-hmm. daughter shows up, and he says, you know, who would have ever thought a big monster like me deserves someone as special as you? It's just so obvious. Mm-hmm. You, you couldn't have done it a little su- more subtle. It didn't bother me, but I can understand how it can bother others. It was also, if point, they want, I thought I was watching a Disney movie because of the sledgehammer subtlety. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's just, uh-huh. and if they wanted to be more mythologically accurate, mm-hmm. they could have had him wearing an eye patch, and they could have had, nobody, nobody did this to me. I'm going to kill nobody if it's the last thing I do. What a little Greek Father, mythology joke curse there. This man. <laughs> yeah. little Greek mythology joke there, but yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, the princesses invade the castle. This moment I like. This is a really cute moment, mm-hmm. and with them also saving the other fairy tale creatures and them using like what abilities they have, it is good. This is 
And this is the kind of fun thing that, again, I wish the movie did more of. We even get a pretty good uh, Puss and Donkey joke where Donkey and Puss's body tries, you know, carving out, you know, the gingerbread man shape in the glass. Yeah. And Puss and Donkey's body just like, you know, he just stares at him and just smashes the glass. That, that, that's a really cute joke. I'll admit yeah, that. Yeah, honestly... It's very weird how often uh, Puss gets snubbed in this film. Like, yeah, in this in particular, like, he has like several moments where he's still baddest, but he has like two distinct moments where he like ultimately like lo- where his charm ultimately falls flat to the others. Yeah, where yeah, one like, of those first... are in a yeah. Go ahead, sorry, sorry. Yeah, one of those was uh, when he was like doing his cute charm to Shrek when he like uh, got kicked out of the room and he. Uh, and uh, Shrek ultimate, and uh, Shrek ultimate just closes the curtain. Another moment was when he ultimately uh, tried to cut down the rope, and uh, ultimately, uh, and ultimately, the trees just get scared and run away before he can actually cut the rope. And then another moment was where he's in Donkey's body, and he like tries to do the cute thing, but he just See, that's funny. His top I'm trying to do the cute thing as a donkey. That that's funny. I will Me admit, too. Yeah, I agree. That's off. That works. And again, if we had more gags like that when they were in each other's bodies, that would have worked out better instead of uh, what yeah. we got, which is pretty much nothing. But I yeah, also uh, like the little gag in the play where like. Uh, yeah, Shrek, Shrek starts and, uh, roasting a Charming's performance and outfit, and uh, it's a good one. The rest of the play, like the opening sequence, yeah. I get that it's trying to be like, oh, so cheesy and hammy, but it's really just not that funny. I don't know why it doesn't click, but it could have been funny, but I feel like they didn't commit to the bit. I feel like if they actually mm. had done it more, like, they either had to make it, like, so over-the-top elaborate that it was, like, almost ridiculous or make it, like, so bad that it was like, how did this even get made? Because it, it just feels like, as it stands, the actual play sequence at the beginning, it's just there. But no, you're absolutely right. Shrek basically roasting Charming's performance and outfit to the extent yeah, where the I other just, villains yeah, start Shrek's laughing. Like, oh, I'm just having one. a little bit of, Yeah, oh, I'm just having a little bit of fun. That's Leotard. Oh, thank you. Didn't know they came in men's sizes. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Still my favorite joke from that exactly, moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, uh, it does show how Shrek is allowed to be funny, really, for the first for one of the first times in the movie, when you think about it. Mm. That's one thing also about this movie, that Shrek is more of... I mean, he does actually do things, but in this one, for me, he feels like he's a bit more of an observer compared to, like, in the other two, where he was, like, the driving force behind it. Again, maybe mm. it's just me, but th- that's what I got. But anyway, uh, the uh, other uh, Charming basically uh, prepares to kill Shrek, but Dragon uh, saves the day for the first time in this movie by burning his sword as all the other fairy tale creatures rush the stage. The part where all the princesses, you know, Queen Lillian and Doris uh, team up, it reminds me of that scene in Avengers Endgame with mm-hmm. all the female superheroes slowly panning over. I, again, this is way before that, and this movie probably has their female characters do more than an Avengers Endgame. To he, but uh. yeah, but yeah, basically, uh, Rapunzel is revealed to be wearing a wig and kind of a lame payoff. And also, Simpsons did it, uh. but yeah, it is a kind of a lame payoff <laughs> to the whole you know evil Rapunzel thing. It's like that that's the best you could come up with. You know, it, I don't know. It just felt like, okay, we've had enough. We, we got to wrap up this movie. How do we get rid of Rapunzel? Okay, that that's good suggestion. Go. But yeah, then the other villains uh, rush the stage and Arthur finally shows up again. And 
he gets all the villains basically to just give up. And I I'm sorry, in, in my opinion, this ending is really just kind of lame. I mean, granted, I understand the message behind it that you're not forced to be good or bad. You can be whatever you want to be, that kind of thing. But every single villain quitting, every single one, like Captain Hook not caring that Peter Pan cut off his hand and fed it to a crocodile, the Headless Horseman not caring that his head was blown off by a cannonball and he wants another one for revenge. And that, I mean... Was. Yeah, yeah, that, that was a Headless Horseman's backstory. His head was blown off by a cannonball. He wants another one uh, for revenge. Dang. Yeah. But anyway, uh, Charming is the only one that doesn't uh, turn to the good side. He tries to kill Shrek, but he misses him. Uh, and you think Shrek is dead in that, but it's revealed that he only stabbed him like underneath the armpit in that. So Shrek picks him up. And yeah, now we get to see Dragon actually being the one saving the day and killing the villain Second time oh, in the franchise. Yeah, second by the time way, in the franchise, don't baby. She ate Farquaad in the in the first one, and now I she kills. Yep, she kills uh, Charming by knocking over the tower, and yeah, Arthur then becomes king of far, far away. And uh, this is never really brought up in the sequel, which is very interesting. I mean, I, I granted it probably wouldn't have been, but it's weird that it's kind of like in Cars Three, where most of Cars Two is never mentioned. It's one of those things that's weird. Like, aside from Shrek having his, you know, children, the events of Shrek 3 are not really brought up in the sequel. That, mm. that is something that we is really weird. Why. We all know why. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, exactly, exactly. But yeah, Merlin basically brings Puss and Donkey back to normal, but their tails are on, are on each other's bodies, which, a, a cute joke, but I feel like it's it was too little too late, you know? it's It felt like you could have done something like that earlier with them, or, you know, you could have done more with the body swap thing, you know. Again, it's kind of a lame payoff to a long joke. But, yeah, we then get to see um, Shrek with his ogre kids, and the montage at the end are pretty much just a bunch of bodily function jokes, which really are tedious at this time. It was like, ugh. You yeah, know, it, at this... It is yeah. very nice, though, to see the families, like, coming no, together. together and, like... and, yeah, that's one thing I will say is that Shrek's relation with his children do feel genuine. That he genuinely loves and cares about them, and we'll see a lot more about that in the next movie, too. But, again, it feels like, uh, for this, they were building up for, like, the ogre children and that, and then they're only in, like, the last, um, you know, 30, 45 seconds of the movie. There is a funny gag with uh, Snow White's dwarf showing up, and they just like kick him out instantly. That's a good yeah, gag. That's funny. Yeah, that 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 see mm. that is payoff that works. Yeah, that that is a joke that was set up, and it has a good punchline at the end. Yeah, same. Uh, and then, another thing, like when it gets to like the okay after like the moment where Shrek and uh, Fiona ultimately end with them asleep, and then one of the babies is like fussy and whatnot, which. Yeah. Uh, honestly, that Happens. and the uh, scene from freaking uh, from freaking before, where like Shrek is having that nightmare, gave yep. me very much childcare P PTSD sort of vibes. I, which I, can I have that. ultimately done that with my little siblings before. It is not too great. Yeah. But another thing, like it gets to the credits, and um, yeah, I uh, this is one of the weirder Shrek. Car credits that i it's just like the ogre babies doing things and that and the weird thing they saved the big song for the credits 
Because yeah. the other two Shrek movies, and even the next one, they have like the big ending song. The first one had I'm a Believer. The second one had Living La Vida Loca. The third one had, the fourth one has, I think I'm a Believer again, but it's another really good one. But yeah. this one, they don't do that at all. They just like saved, they're like, they ran out of time. And it was like, oh God, we forgot to animate the big song number. But Antonio Banderas and Eddie Murphy already uh, performed it. Let's just throw something with the credits with the Ogre Babies and call it a day. Yeah, and, and have freaking uh, Puss and Donkey Baby just relate to the whole thing. scene. And it's just like weird. And okay, real weird thing. The weirdest thing about that credit scene is like to this day, no matter what, like no matter what, what I do to try and get it out of my mind, like I will yeah. always look at that end credit scene from Trek 3 and like have it in my mind that at some point in that movie, they legit sit, they, like, Eddie Murphy legit sings the line, Mama's gonna steal some milk. It is ingrained into my mind. I don't know how I get it out. It did not happen in the song, 100%. But no matter how many times I listen to it, it's just, yeah, uh, it's yeah. it's in my head permanently. Too, you know, especially, you know, it, it doesn't feel, again, like an ending song. I mean, I get it, but I don't know. It, it really does, that, that ending, to be fair, it does kind of sum up uh, Shrek the Third as a whole, because... Again, it's not as bad as I remembered. I know I've probably been uh, oh, ripping on it more than I've meant to. But again, it's not terrible. It's not the worst DreamWorks movie by a mile. It, I will still bad. ultimately say that it, it it's not the weaker Shrek film. That honor goes yeah. to Happily Ever After or Forever After. Yep. Sorry, oh, but Happily wow. Never After, which is one of my, which is actually one of my favorites. Well, mm. that'll be interesting to talk about that when we get to it. But yeah, yeah I feel like what happened though is that again after Shrek two. It, it was an extremely high bar to clear, and this really uh, did not clear it. The movie did extremely financially well because, let's face it, Shrek 3, everybody would go see it. Apparently, this was like the highest mo grossing movie in Russia until Avatar, so mm. that's very interesting. But I think what happened is the, the reviews were underperformed, and... DreamWorks apparently had planned Shrek 4, Shrek 5, apparently Shrek 6. Then I think we would have gotten Shrek 7, The New Blood, Shrek 8, Shrek Takes Manhattan, Shrek 9, Shrek Goes to Hell, and then Shrek X. Then we would have gotten Freddy vs. Shrek, and then a, a 2009 reboot. Okay, at really most, I remember there being a Shrek 5. Shrek 6, maybe, I, yeah, no, that's... They, they considered they considered Shrek six. They were gonna they were gonna do this as long as they could. But after seeing the critical reviews of this, because the reviews on this were not kind to it at all, they pretty much decided that Shrek Forever After would be the last one. And again, this was because by two thousand seven, I feel like the whole fractured fairy tale idea in animated movies, we had just gotten. So it was many played of it. Out. it. It did. It was so played out, and I think audiences were just bored of it by then. I, every mm. other studio, except for like Pixar, uh, Western anime studio, I, I want to add, were, were trying to copy Shrek. And I think at when you get to the point where Disney was doing it with Chicken Little, it's like, no, no we're done. Yo, yo, Isn't, stop it. Okay, one one uh, studio that not very many people know did this was uh was um fucking jim henson oh hello yeah. it was literally called just uh, fractured fairy tales and it was trying to be edgy and it just wow. ended up being cringe 
Wow, the Hensons? I, I did not know that. I'm going to have to check this out because yeah, I mean, if it was like puppetry, I, I got to check this out to see what it's the Hensons do with puppet. it. It's not puppets. It's CGI. Really? And it's Henson? fucking awful. It's fucking awful. That is weird. That's, the Hensons? That's weird. When did that did, did happen? Just, like, like the creature shop? They, they didn't. Wow, that is strange. I mean, I guess, you know, you got to make your you got to make the money in that. But wow. Wow. When even like the Jim Henson's creature shop were doing it. That that's wow, wow, but yeah. Uh, then we got Shrek Forever After in 2010, which so far is the final Shrek movie. We're going to talk about that next time. And in my opinion, I think it corrected a lot of things that Shrek the Third did wrong. But of course, uh, Anne Gron, you know, said he's not a fan. You know, uh, Stryker said, but then that's going to be very interesting when we talk mm-hmm. about it time. But yeah, now it is time for the uh, question of the episode, which is. What is the most underwhelming it's... sequel that you have seen? Oh, yeah. This, and it's a very easy one. You know, this is you know, probably what is the most underwhelming was the worst sequel I've ever seen. Without a doubt, you know, no joke, Jaws the Revenge. I it, thought you were going to say Ralph Breaks the Internet for a sec. Ralph That's Breaks close. the Internet Ralph is mine, internet by is, the way. Ralph Breaks the Internet is an extremely close second. It's like right up there. But Jaws the Revenge is just, when you compare the first Jaws to Jaws the Revenge, it, it's awful. It is just the mm. worst. I mean, the, the story makes no sense. The shark kills Ellen Brody's, one of her sons, and then it tracks them to the Bahamas like a, a stupid shark in like a New York and like you know New England waters. It travels all the way to the Bahamas to revenge against them. The effects are awful. The ending is awful. Michael Caine is good in it because he's good in everything, but. Man, I, I, I recall boring. that freaking Phil Collins was in and he wasn't too bad. No, no. Jaws of Revenge? No, no. It was uh, Michael Caine. Uh, but anyway, uh, getting off that. Uh, but no, y- you actually hit the nail on the head also, uh, Stryker. My, my, probably the other most underwhelming sequel I've seen is Ralph Breaks the Internet. It is just everything that Wreck-It Ralph did right, this movie did wrong. It was just an, it was a feature-length commercial it was a commercial for like youtube it was a commercial for disney it, it pretty much was disney just self-congratulatory with themselves for for like 90 minutes the entire oh my disney sequence is like uh, yeah well, it was just it's uh, just disney jacking themselves off that's yeah it's disney pretty much being like yeah, yeah. yes baby. yeah baby we're we we're own hip. everything we're Woo! woke we're just okay i'll full disclosure <laughs> i still don't hate it but I do understand why other people do. I uh, fucking yeah. hated every minute of it, and that was the one that I saw in theaters. I, I saw was it in like, theaters too. Holy shit! I'm gonna. This is gonna be so good. It's the Brick and Ralph sequel. I love the. It, I love the first one. I saw it. And I'm just like. Yeah, first one's awesome. However, yeah. I will say this: not all the jokes and all the references were absolute shit. No, I will no, say that. But- we did but have a that little being too said, much of like that. Yeah, I do understand why people hate it to this day. Yeah. The thing that's weird about uh, Ralph Breaks the Internet is just like the story, too. It's like, okay, imagine if, like, for some reason, a bunch of Pac Man videos were on YouTube. Pac Man doing the floss. Pac Man, you know, opening up a surprise package. Wait, no, no, I take that back. That would be awesome. Okay, imagine huh. if it was like Dig Dug doing that, or if it was like uh, the Galaga ship or something doing that. Like, mm. why would a, in the universe, why would anyone care about some random 80s arcade character being, like, posting viral videos online? And, like, how? Wouldn't, yeah, like, the weird. company that made Wreck-It Ralph be like, 
what the hell is this? You, you know? It yeah. really, really is a weird thing, but no, those are my two choices. Uh, Jaws the Revenge and uh, Rob Brace here in it. Uh, and Gron? I also have two choices. Well, technically. I will say that I did very much, like, these aren't exactly the worst sequels I have ever seen. There are definitely worst I've seen that were like, uh, nah, but these ones in particular hurt. But this one in particular hurts. But for, before I get to that one, I'm going to talk a bit about Shrek Forever After because that's the one where it that is honestly, in my opinion, the worst one. Even though it has some great moments, it's just Shrek's version of It's a Wonderful Life, and how it got to that ultimately undermines everything that ultimately. Uh, the other films did i feel in developing shrek's character and just making him ultimately like sympathetic here he's like i miss the old days and i I get that like in the old days he was pretty good but then everything got complicated and whatnot it makes sense but it undermined shrek as a consequence it undermined a character that had a lot of development and and like I understand, like, ugh, man. But, okay. But However, that, said, yeah. that one is not the most underwhelming, disappointing sequel I have seen. That mm-hmm. honor, in my opinion, goes to Happy Feet 2. Like, no joke. Ooh. It's no Ooh. surprise that I am 100% a fan of Happy Feet, the first one. Gloria was a good character. Rip Brittany Murphy. Uh, Elijah Wood didn't suck in that one, and he he's, also didn't suck in the sequel good. for the most part. Like, I I really enjoyed Robin Williams' performance, and like the song, the jukebox musical thing did not like this was this was peak jukebox musical to me at this time. Like the songs worked. I I'm not that big a fan of like 60s and 70s pop music, but here I didn't mind it that much because they they used freaking enough diversity here where I was like. Hmm, that's interesting. However, the sequel, I will wholeheartedly say I was really looking for every excuse to like this one and act like I could not for the longest time see it. I I didn't have access. I didn't see it in theaters. I eventually worked up the nerve to watch it on uh, freaking on uh, freaking DVD on my laptop. And I'm sorry, but other than freaking uh, Alicia Moore, a.k.a. Pink as Gloria, best casting choice after Brittany Murphy, hands down. Mm-hmm. Yep. Other than the fact that it has, like, a scale and that ultimately makes it feel like it's, like, a life-or-death situation for the most part, and mm-hmm. other than the fact that there, that it, it still is Happy Feet 2... And it still looks very much like Happy Feet 2 for the most part. I'm sorry. It was really hard to ultimately get through this. Because, like, there were several moments where I had to pause. And, like, okay. First problem. There were one too many uh, defecation jokes. Like, there was urine. There was actual, yeah, like, Yeah, well, we shit. get it. We it, get it, yeah. It was not great. Mm-hmm. Second thing. It again did the same thing as Shrek Forever After, but but unlike uh, Forever After, where it ultimately like had to re- 
redeem it, it where I feel there the redemption was a little better, especially even though it did come at the cost of like uh, denouncing Shrek's character and like him expecting everything to be hunky dory in this universe and all what. Here, it really like it shows Mumble being a decent father, but not really a good father 100% of the time. Like, he's a little too strict sometimes. And honestly, they really did a lot of characters dirty, in my opinion. Like, they did, gl- they, they pretty much snubbed a lot of Gloria moments. Like, we get a nod to, like, freaking uh, uh, Memphis and Norma Jean, Mumble's parents, at, as being part of the council members. We also got Elder Noah being, like, a uh, badass for a quick moment. Sven could have worked as, like, a, uh, uh, as sort of like a uh, misguided pariah sort of sort of thing, but it just did not go anywhere with that. Uh, freaking Ramon uh, and Ramon and Lovelace hardly hardly get enough time. Uh, and even though hell, they established that uh, Lovelace and uh, Sven were ultimately uh, like saved by people, and Lovelace ultimately like still holds true that. That still hold that humans are still good despite Sven ultimately seeing a bunch of chicken getting roasted, which okay. And just overall, there were a lot of things in this movie that did that I that did not work. There were some that did work, but ugh, I'm sorry. The rest just made it a, a little hard for me to actively defend it to this day. Like in the past I would have one hundred percent oh this movie's pretty good. I didn't edge it, but Looking back, I'm sorry, but it was just disappointing. Even more so than Shrek Forever After. Even more so than Wreck-It Ralph, than Ralph Breaks the Internet. I'm sorry. Happy Feet 2 is the most un- was the most underwhelming thing. And honestly, I would have been a little disappointed if I had seen it in theaters. Not going to lie. Okay. Yeah, That's sorry for the longest position. No, no, but no, it's, yeah. all it's all good. No, no, you're passionate about it. No, it's all very good in that. Um, Striker? Um, for me, it is actually uh, Ralph Breaks the Internet because, no like, surprise. when I went to see it in theaters, I, I was, like, kind of hyped at the beginning, and then midway through, it's just like, what the fuck? This is really awful. Okay. Yeah, some of the references I did actually enjoy, like Nick Wilde showing up. Like some of the princess jokes were nice. I I did enjoy like the little ending bit where like Ralph mistakes uh, Prince Naveen for Frogger. That was nice. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like I just I just didn't like how like um they completely like broke a lot of the rules from the first movie that they uh, that they had firmly set, like. You die. You die in another game. You die for real. And yet, guess what? They completely disregard that. Yes. And leave, yes. Let Vanellope go into another game. And the thing is, too, is that the developers of Slaughter Race, they're going to see a character that's you know not their copyright in the game. What do you think they're going to do? They're going to delete her. And if you die in your game, you die for real. Out of your game, rather. You die die outside of your game, you die for real. And so it, it yeah. undermines everything about the first one. Yet they even say, like, oh, they actually had an event with uh, Sugar Rush. 
Uh, yeah, exactly. And also that Ralph can change the game of Sugar Rush while it's going on is another, you know, kind of weird moment too. But and, be, and they completely like forgot about his character from the first movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah they really so like freaking undermined his they character. Made him a, another thing, they made him obsessive almost. Yeah, they really undermine. Yeah, these sequels really undermined the characters that we came to know and love from the first few movies, which. Yeah, did not do them good in those movies. Mm. No, it did not no, at definitely, all. Definitely, definitely. It fucking sucked hard. Oh, yep, yeah, it, it was not did. great. So, uh, Matt? I'm going to do, do a really quick uh, joke answer, but then my serious yeah. one. Uh, yeah. I'm underwhelmed by the fact that Treasure Planet 2 never got made. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Really need a Treasure Planet oh, 2, full disclosure. They would have had more of the Cation, so I'm all for that. Would have Honestly. had more uh, mm-hmm. Captain Amelia, so I'm all for we'll that. We'll but anyway, uh, yeah, what were we going to say, uh, uh, Math, for your but, real answer? Oh, let's see. Yeah, the serious answer is Atlantis Milo's Return. Oh god, Ooh, no. Yes, I like yes. the, the lava dog in that one. It was nice. I got no lava dog. The issue I have is, oh hey, here's a sequel to Atlantis. By the way, this was actually a failed series that we didn't make and we're putting three episodes together as a movie. Shh, don't tell anybody. Yeah, there were there were a lot of attempts for a that lot sort of, of them thing. Did that. The Beauty and the Beast one, that was one of them. The, uh, um, the one used actual episodes footage from, from it, yeah. Series. Yep. But uh, the the real issue with uh, the Atlantis one is it was actually marketed as, oh, hey, here's a genuine sequel we are making. They didn't advertise it as a compilation film. They advertised nope, it as Nope, they never did. They never said anything. Yep. Yep, like I said, that is, that is again, a very good point with all I like the Mine Disney would direct-to-video sequels. have to be the Black Many, Cauldron. There were a couple of good ones. Like, I will always say that uh, Aladdin and Prince of Thieves is absolutely awesome, but... Oh. Yeah, no, a oh, lot sorry. of them could suit uh, for that as well. So, um, Jordan, what do you have to say? didn't suck that much. The one with Rumble yeah, that one too. Uh, Jordan, what would you have to say? I don't, I don't have a... I don't have a... Um, we're talking How about that sequel. a sequel? Sequels. We're talking about a movie sequels. <laughs> it's cool. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah, oh, forever after. after. Okay. That's gonna make for a very interesting episode then. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, no, I can say it. And uh, Lucky Evie, what would you have to say? My lack of knowledge, due to my lack of seeing any movies, I don't have one. No, not even like any of like the uh, Pokemon movie sequels or that. Yeah. No, because I I barely watch any of them, even though I really should watch a few of them. Oh, all right. Wow. Well, all right. Well, now it is time for the uh, patent pending uh, Dragon of Scale, and we're gonna rank Dragon now. Like what we like what I said on the episode of uh, Shrek. How we're gonna rank it is we're gonna rank uh, Dragon based on what she does in this movie. Now she didn't do a lot compared to the original Shrek, so she's not gonna get as high of a score. However, I am still going to give her a score of seven because I feel like number one we get more uh, character from her, from the little screen time she does have in this. Number two is that, of course, she actually does manage to save the day twice. First by destroying uh, Prince Charming's sword, and the second by killing the guy. So that that also gives her a pretty big boost. And the third is that it just is nice to see her 
with like Donkey, with her kids and that, and just have them be an overall, you know, loving family. It is a really nice touch. Yeah. She does have more to do in the next movie uh, compared to this one, but I'm still going to give her a high score because she is still a good character uh, no matter what. So, uh, Andra, what would you have to say? I'm going to give her a... Uh... I'm going to I'm going to go out on a limb and give her a uh, 9 out of 10 here because like this was the movie I feel where they ultimately uh, established D- Dragon as not only just a little more of a character but like one of the group officially like she became like actually full on like a member of the group for the most part like she has character she empathizes with Fiona like there's a lot more character going on here and the fact that they don't do more with it is just baffling. That's the only reason why I'm not going to do a perfect score, uh, because like on top of everything that the first Shrek did, and the and for the most part the second Shrek, it very much it's very much nice here that we get Dragon not only empathizing with Fiona but also being a very caring per- caring individual. And I really want to see more of that. If Eddie Murphy ever does decide to pick up the idea of Dragon and Donkey again, I want to see that. That is yeah. 100% I want to see. 100%. 100% with you there on that one. So, um, let's see. Striker? Uh, yeah. Oh, um, to be honest, uh, yeah, I think I might have to go with a six because, like, she didn't have much of a. Uh, she was didn't have as much um, of a role in this one than the other than the other movies. I can definitely I mean, see that. I mean, she did have a role here. She also had uh, less of a role in Shrek uh, Two for the most part. Yeah, I'm yeah. definitely more of that at least. Uh, Nine yeah. out of ten. Uh, but yeah, I, I I really like I really like her design again, and pretty much anything else movie, uh, so anything else that uh, I liked about the, her uh, I pretty much said one. in the Shrek review or the Shrek countdown thing. Yep. No, that's all right. That's all good. Um, Jordan. Okay. Yep, that's good. Okay, uh, Math? Uh, I'm going to give her for this movie... I'm torn between a 7 and an 8, but I think I'll be a bit generous and go 8. Uh, and okay. I would have given her a 9 for the first movie. Nice. Love her design. Nice. Uh, great uh, character. Funny inversion of the typical dragon character. Uh, reason it's a 9 in the first and an 8 in this one. They don't really do anything with her is the problem. There's the first joke of, oh, hey, what if it's a girl dragon? The And one of, she falls in love with one of the main characters. Okay, great, what do we do with her now? What do you mean now? It seems like <laughs> they had no plan after that, and it really shows... Hey, Murphy movie. did, they though. Do not so give her props anything that could be done without uh, with any other character. Yeah, Eddie Murphy had plans for, for her and uh, Donkey, yeah, so props Eddie. to him. Yep, but again, uh, I see where you're coming from. That yeah, again, there is a lot more they could do with her, and apparently, she does get a lot more uh, substantial things to do in Shrek the Musical. So that'll be interesting when we get to that. But I can definitely see where you're coming from with that too. Watching that, unfortunately, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. that'll be an interesting one though. And um, Lucky Evie, Uh, same as last time, nine out of ten. Um, okay, all right then, and um, 
All right, if you have any questions or if you want to send us your impression of Baron Samidi from Live and Let Die, you can uh, email us at fieryDiscourse at Outlook.com or visit us on Twitter at Twitter.com slash FieryDiscourse. Next time, we'll be talking about the 2010 movie Shrek Forever After, the finale of the Shrek theatrical movies. Well, right. well yeah, we'll record in a little while, but yeah, uh, this will be the uh, finale of the uh, Shrek film franchise. But it's not the last time we'll talk about Shrek on the podcast. That, but that'll have to wait for a little while. Anyway, regardless, thank you guys so much for listening. And until next time, take care. Later. Adios. Adios. See you next time. Okay.